Welcome to Arise Life, a community of believers being equipped, empowered, and released into their destiny. For more information, go to ariselife.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Happy Valentine's Day, uh, which is the greatest day for about 12% of the population and the worst day for the rest. We'll just leave it right there. Um, (laughs) uh, Let's just say this, I read faces. (laughs) Uh, no, uh, part of it has, goes down to, in my opinion, is because we don't understand love. Uh, most men, the way men, okay, I'm going to out us for a second. Most men, so women on Valentine's Day are looking for romance, and men tend to do romance about the way that you would use a um, a remote control that you got from China with Chinese letters and no, uh, and the instructions in Chinese. Uh, I like you. No? Um, I love you? Oh, yeah, yeah, that works okay. Um, you complete me. I heard that in a movie. Okay, it was Austin Powers, so probably not a good one. Uh, <laughs> no, no, because a lot of times men are, we not, most men are clueless in the area of romance. Can we be honest? <laughs> no, no, oh, you got, you got a good one there. You did. But here's the deal. But you've been training him for years. <laughs> that women are like, wow, he's so romantic. Well, he's been trained. No, but the reality is, is that love, we've been told that love is this chemical reaction that, complete me and suddenly there are no more problems. Man, anybody realize that the problems really start when you get somebody else in your life? When you're all by yourself, all your problems are yours and they're not really problems. (laughs) So I don't bathe. What's the big deal? No. (laughs) Okay, moving on. Uh, (laughs) This is a recurring theme. Hey, it's more recurring than you want to know among the male population. Moving on. What I want to say, though, is, is love is not about this chemical interaction. It's not about this, uh, ah. I mean, you know, I, one of the great things, sorry, that a lot of ladies say is, if you loved me, you would know. Oh, no. 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 No, it has nothing to do with love. It has everything to do with genetics. <laughs> no what? No what about what? I'm clueless. No, seriously. If you want him to know, you got to let him know. Oh, yeah. yeah, but that would take all the romance out of it. Well, he doesn't have any romance, so you got to give him the romance to give you. Some people are repenting right now. Moving on. I, I'm, I'm just saying is love is about being seen, but also allowing yourself to be seen. And, and it's messy. Anybody found love to be messy? Yeah. But it's worth it. The full evidence of love is Jesus dying on a cross. Not a Cupid with an arrow. And the evidence of that, but Jesus didn't die on the cross as some tragedy. He died to make a way for us to live in communion with God, but also live, it says, his divine power has given us everything we need for what? Life. And godliness, being like God, being God's emissaries, representing God to the world. If you're going to represent God, should you look like God? Does that seem like a tall order for people? In our strength, absolutely. But that's why God poured out grace. Grace is not the freedom to sin. It is the power of God to do the will of God. In every given moment. It is his strength, his power, which works in us to will and do his good pleasure, right? And so as a result, but the best, but but this whole concept of grace is so theoretical. Anybody know what I mean? Sometimes it feels really fluffy. And so the best description of grace that we can find in the Bible is the book of Galatians. And I've been asking the Lord for about four years to preach the book of Galatians. So I'm so excited to welcome you to the book of Galatians. But in the same way that love is not this ethereal concept and grace is not this ethereal concept, the only way they are real is within context. 
And so the book of Galatians, the same thing. Anybody heard somebody use a scripture out of context? You're like, that sounds really good, but I'm not sure that's what it means. How would you know what it means? Context, right? Um, you, if, um, if you know the verse within the context of the words around it, but also anybody here read a letter to somebody else and didn't understand what was going on? Did, did anybody find your parents' letters and were slightly traumatized? Do you know what I mean? Like, like you're reading a letter, but you don't know enough of what's going on. You, they're like, and you remember when? And you're like, no, I don't remember when. A lot of, all of, you know, in the New Testament, you see these epistles that were written by Paul and John and, and Peter. And these, they are letters, and they're to somebody. Anybody read a part of Scripture and just realized, I don't really know what's going on? How do you find out what's going on? Read around it. Read what came before. After. Read what's after what? Read history. Ask God. Google. Look up the original language and get a degree. Yeah, there's, there are a lot of resources, and I can give you a lot of those resources. But honestly, one of the things I'll tell you this, if you're reading the epistles, go back and read Acts. Because Acts is a story of the churches to which those, those letters were written. So that's a first thought. But also, you can look up tons of resources online to find out more of what's the story going on under, underneath. And so we're going to start this out because actually the book of Galatians starts out in that exact place. He's trying to explain the context of why the Galatians should listen to him. So we're going to find out why the Galatians should listen to him. Okay? All right. So let's start. Let's roll back the tape. So you guys remember... Jesus died on the cross. And then everything was wonderful. No, because no, he started a, a family. And of course, no family ever has problems. And so we have the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit comes upon them. The church goes from 120 to 3,000. And it just keeps growing and growing and growing. And what was the mandate Jesus gave the, the, his, the people? He said, wait for me, but then I'm going to commission you to do what? Go make disciples. Where? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Awesome. Fast forward several years. Have they gone anywhere? Nope. <laughs> so let's, let's just track their progress, shall we? All right. I've got a clicker. I get a click today. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Let's see if this works. Nope. It doesn't work. Jesus' name. No, I'm there. Oh, hallelujah. It's a miracle. So one of the great things is Jesus, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. God knew what he was doing. And he, at this perfect time, this point when the world had been brought together by the Roman Empire. And, you know, one of the things is, you, we, the Roman government was insanely ungodly. Out-of-control rates of infanticide, way more than abortion rates. Out-of-control abuse, out-of-control slavery, out-of-control... So listen, as you're, if you're cursing our present government, Paul prayed for Nero. He prayed peace over Nero. Going to leave that out there. God thought... Oh, yippee, we've got this incredibly horrible, godless, Nazi-type regime called the Roman Empire, and they brought all the world together so I can evangelize them. What if God is using this present government to bring about revival? Amen. Well, we better curse them just to be certain. Don't make me. I'll come out there. All right. <laughs> Moving on. So what do they do? So here's the Roman Empire, all of this, and they've got these beautiful roads that have been developed. All up to this century, travel has always been dangerous. And even in this time, it's dangerous, as you see from Paul's life history, as we see in Corinthians. But the reality is, it's still safer than it's ever been. So they, because they developed these amazing roads that still exist amazingly. 
All right, moving on. There's our connection roads, moving on. So here we go. They went to the city of Jerusalem and they just had a wonderful service after wonderful service after wonderful service. They sang Kumbaya and went nowhere. And then a young buck decided to uh, uh, stick his finger up the nose of the Pharisees. If you've ever read uh, Stephen's uh, 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 sermon to the Pharisees, do you think, yeah, warm. It was cuddly, wasn't it? Did, did, he get, did, did he get any disciples that day? Did he get any converts? No, he was converted to glory. But I would submit to you, not everything in the Bible was God's best plan. It's a very important thing to understand. And there are some things we absolutely know are not a good idea. Judas, hanging himself, not a good idea. But I want to submit to you, we need to read the Bible in the context of what Jesus has said. Anyway, moving on. So they're in the city of Jerusalem, and as a result, um, a persecution comes, and they have to spread out. And they begin to reach Judea, but they're still not going anywhere. Where was the next place they were supposed to go? Samaria. Samaria. Now, what's the problem with Samaria? Samaritans. <laughs> it's kind of like, what's the problem with your family? The people who live there right? No, I, the problem with Samaritans is they are like the, the they, they are the messed up part of the family, and they don't want, the Jews don't want anything to do with it. Why? They, the Jews would prefer to go to the ends of the earth before they go to Samaria. Selah. <clears throat> but God, so what? The, the leaders won't go, so guess who goes? A young buck by the name of Philip. Sometimes when the leadership won't do it, go, go, go. Quit, and, but in the process of going, don't judge the leadership or you'll end up just like them. Anyway, Philip goes and there's a huge revival breaks out in Samaria. And so it's wonderful. They go to Samaria, theoretically. And then in the process, remember he met the Ethiopian eunuch and suddenly we have a growing church in Ethiopia. Interesting. He jumped straight from Jew to Samaritan to African. God's order is not an order. He doesn't, he's moving out. There we go. Whoop, backwards. And then we see, keep seeing, remember the, the Christians are fleeing to Damascus, right? And so we, we meet Saul for the first time, right? Saul is, chases them up there. And then from there, they go on. They, it says they grew out to the region of Phoenicia, to the region of Cyrene, and the region of Cyprus. The Christianity is, is going to the ends of the earth. Why? Unfortunately, persecution. Not because they wanted to. Anybody here want to go because you want to? If we don't go because we want to, we'll eventually go because we have to. Anybody overstayed your season somewhere <laughs> and then you had to? Let's go. When we go, that's why if you're called to arise for a season, yay! But when you're not called to arise, please don't overstay your, your welcome. No, because we want to be able to still greet each other with love in the, in the grocery store. If you overstay your welcome, <laughs> anyway, moving on. All right, there we go. So, and eventually it's going all the way out. But again, not because people chose to, but because they were pushed out. All right. So this is where we come into this timeline. We see this growth of the church. If you want this sheet, I put together a couple timelines, a timeline of the early church and a timeline of Paul's early ministry. Just let me know. I'll email it to you. It's just really helpful for me to have a grid of how the book of Acts, how the epistles, and how uh, what's happening and where they're going, how it works. Because it's really important, if you don't see the Bible as written to real people, it won't apply to you. Does that make sense? It's real people with real power. If you see them as, oh, it's not helpful, is it? Anybody hear, here heard a testimony that was so good it was of no use to you? <laughs> hmm, maybe not. 
All right. So, and in this place, we have the reason it went for the first time out to the Gentiles was because of we see with Saul. So let's let's back it up and um, let's look at how Saul came in on the scene. Right. It said, now there, there are those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed, traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word of only among the Jews. What was God's call? To the everybody, right? Anybody here selective? Just moving on. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. So the funny thing is the people in Antioch didn't want to tell the people in Antioch about Jesus. But the guys from Cyprus and Cyrene did. (laughs) Ah, It's part of the reason why God will send people out of where they are. Because sometimes you'll be, you won't stumble over what the local people stumble, right? Like, they're like, we don't, we don't associate with them, right? I'm new to town. I don't care who I associate with. Anyway, so the Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believe and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God, Barnabas was from Cyprus, by the way, the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Why was Barnabas sent up there? Because there were people in Jerusalem who were really worried about these non-Jews believing in Jesus. You're not allowed. Sorry. None for you. And so Barnabas is like, it's all good. It's all good. And Antioch begins to grow. Now, at this time, Antioch is the second greatest city in the world. I know, it's kind of random. That it, Antioch, was, it was the end of the Spice Road from, from Asia, and it was the end of the Roman roads, so they just, tons and tons of trade. Tons and tons and tons of trade. And so it was also a melting pot of cultures. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught a great number of people. And the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Does that feel like it comes out of nowhere? So again, how are we going to know what, what, what's going on? All right. We're going we're gonna to get there. Uh, stay with me. So in that church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers Barnabas from Cyprus, Simeon called Niger, who was probably Simon Cyrene who carried the cross, who was black, Manaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch. In other words, he'd been hanging out with the criminal class and was, and, and uh, even though he's a Jew, and then Saul. So we got a bunch of, n- notice there's nobody from Antioch on the, on the li- winning team. Hmm. Interesting. All right, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit says, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I've called them. So after they'd fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. The two of them were sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia, um, which was the port about 16 miles from Antioch, and sailed from there to Cyprus. Um, There's a really cool app where you can actually, like it's like, you know Google Maps, but it's Google Maps for the Roman Empire. It's really fun. You can find out distances and whether you travel by donkey or wagon or chariot. Or, you know, it's really great. I mean, and they'll even tell you the prices if you can afford them. <laughs> I, I will. Listen, you text me, I'll give you anything. All right. Within reason. All right. So from Paphos, so they went to, there were two main cities in Cyprus. Uh, by the way, if you're a map person, this is your day. All right. They went to Salamis, was the main city on the east side, and then they went over to Paphos on the west side, and Paul and his companions sailed to Perga and Pamphylia, where John left them to return to Jerusalem. They're going on a mission trip. From Perga, they went to Sidian, Antioch, and on the Sabbath, they entered the synagogue and sat down. I guess so. They're tired. All right. So what happened there? So they went around to Paphos, and notice in that time, they only sailed around close to land. You know Why? Because they couldn't navigate except by the stars. And also, they were terrified of getting lost. And so they they would stay close to land. All right. And then he goes up to Perga, uh, Perga, and then on to uh, Sidia, Antioch, or Apamea, 
the girl from Apamea. Um, anyway, and so, so anyway, so do you see how rough and rugged this terrain is? It's a hard journey, isn't it? He's going this, and then from there, it said, after reading the, from the law and the prophets, the leaders of the synagogue sent word to them saying, brothers, if you have a word of exhortation for the people, please speak, standing up. Paul motioned with his hand. I'm going somewhere, by the way. And said, fellow Israelites and you Gentiles who worship God, listen to me. And so from there, they go on to Iconium. And from Iconium, they go on to Lystra, which is about 18 miles from Iconium. And from Iconium, they go on to Derbe. A lot of traveling, isn't it? it this, is, this is hard. This is not easy. This is messy. Love is not simple. It's, it's messy, and it will cost you. And then, after the, all of that, he goes on a reverse journey, comes all the way back to Antioch. I also mentioned to, failed to mention, he got run out of Apania uh, by Sidia Antioch. He got run out of Iconium. He was stoned, not that kind, in uh, Lystra. And only in Derbe would they not beat him up. Wow. So this whole area from Ipsidia and Iconium and Lystra and Derb were, is the region of Galatia, which is to whom Galatians is written. So this is his first missionary trip, right? Awesome. All right, there we go. Oh, oh, and the little thing, interesting thing is, you see where he ended up, Derbe? Just over the mountain from, where is he from? Tarsus. In fact, this road would, on the way to Antioch, went through Tarsus. So he probably had been seeing all these people from Galatia. Why do you think he went to Galatia first? Because he'd been meeting a lot of Galatians. Sometimes we want to go to the ends of the earth. And I, I'll see this, people like, I'm called to China. Do you know how many Chinese students we have Kennesaw? Yeah. Why don't you start ministering to the Chinese here and see if God sends you there? All right, so Galatians chapter one. So he is writing this to them, and we're going to see why. Uh, writing a letter was a big deal back then. It was expensive. Paper was extremely expensive. Not everybody was literate. It was a big deal. But when you wrote a letter it would to a group, they would have almost like a professional reader. And he would do like oratory. And so he would read it to all of them. And they would get the letter and go, oh, everybody come over to Bob's house. You know, it's the Super Bowl. We're going to listen to Paul's letter. Paul, an apostle, and by the way, they would sign their letters at the beginning, not at the end. That's why he always starts out that way. Paul, an apostle, sent not by men nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead to all the brothers and, and from all the brothers and sisters with me. Notice, even though it's Paul, even though he's sent by a man, doing it in the midst of the community. To the churches in Galatia, grace and peace to you, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age. Just because it was evil doesn't mean God can't bless him in the midst of it. According to the evil of our God and Father, to the evil. <laughs> I can read. According, I, see, that was a test. You passed. Congratulations. According to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. So what's happened? He was there in 48 AD. So this is about 18, 20 years after the death of Jesus and the resurrection. And so he's there preaching the gospel to them. It's 20 years later, they're only just now getting the gospel. He's preaching the gospel in Galatia in 48, and then he comes back through on his next mission trip in 49. And so he's ministering to these churches. These churches are growing up. They're great. But this is now 54, so it's five years later. Anybody seen things go south in a relationship in five-year period? Yeah, so things have gone south, and he's hearing about it. He's like, what is going on? He said, said, what happened? Why are you turning from the gospel? But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse as we have already said. So now I say again, if anybody is preaching you a gospel other than the what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. That's a legitimate curse. 
So what is this gospel? And that's the whole part of Galatia is opening up. What is this gospel that they got saved in the first place, but left behind that he's calling them back to? I am, not, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. Who are my logic people? I've got bad news for you. God offends our logic. Anybody found that to be true? It, it, and and, and <laughs> yeah. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. All right. So for you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age and among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. All right, so here's the deal. Paul was raised in Tarsus. He was, Tarsus was the area of Cilicia, had been a, a, a pirate hub. And so as a result, when the Romans conquered it, they actually, as a way to get favor, they gave the people of Cilicia automatic uh, uh, Roman citizenship. So that's how he got Roman citizenship. But his family were tent makers. And so that meant like leather workers. And back then, do you know how you make leather people? Who are my people who've been on the frontier and know how to make leather? You use urine. How do you think it is as a Jew when your main use thing you work with? So even though they're living well, they're making good money, Right? Anybody have some sketchy things in your family past? <laughs> At least you didn't work with urine. All right. So anyway, so, but when he became about 10, the family was wealthy enough that they sent him to the number one, the Harvard of yeshivas, the Harvard of religious schools to study under the greatest rabbi of the time in Jerusalem, Gamaliel, the grandson of Hillel. And so he goes to Jerusalem, this ent- 10 years old, he makes this long journey, takes about nine days, 480 miles by, you know, by cart, by, by boat, everything else. And he gets there to Jerusalem. And for the next five, 10 years, he studies and he learns and he gets, he gets better than better than better. He becomes the most religious, amazing person ever. Anybody, who, who are my people? You did that. You were like the best of the best of the best in, your, in, in, the, in the church world. Come on. You're like, I can't brag about it, but it's true. I was good. Listen, I mean, it's, it's almost like, you know, you, you got so many Chuck E. Cheese points. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Anyway, anyway. So he is the best of the best. And what does that lead him to do? Remember, it says he was holding the coats when who was killed? Stephen. What that means is he was probably, what it means is he was the official overseeing the event. So he was the one sent by the council to go, yep, this is a good thing. So he was, an, he was, he was, he was out there on the front lines doing God's work. <laughs> anybody anybody went so far down in religion, you realize you were doing more damage than good? Because that's what religion does. And so he, and then in the middle of that, what does he do? He goes, oh, boys, I've heard them, them people is believing in Jesus up in Damascus. We ought to take him out. So what does he do? He goes up the road. Again, it's 250 miles, eight and a half days, going through the desert. In the middle of there, what happens to him? He has an encounter. He gets knocked off his high horse, right? <laughs> he has an encounter with God. Let me say this. All, if all of your religion has brought you to a place that's not full of life and love, maybe you need an encounter. Maybe you need an encounter. And he has an encounter with God. And he goes, who is it? And he goes, Jesus, the one you're persecuting. How crushing do you think that was at that point? Because Paul was trying to be the best of the best, not because he was trying to be mean, but he was really trying to be good. And suddenly he realized all of his good is bad. Yes, he says later, he says, as filthy rags. And so in this place, he's, he's blinded. He goes to, this, goes to Damascus and he's sitting in a house. And God comes to a man named Ananias. And he says, Ananias, there's this guy, Saul over there. He, he is going to, you know, he's uh, blind. You're going you're gonna to heal him. And he goes, woohoo, I've heard about that guy. I've heard about that guy. Uh-uh, nope. 
No, no. Anybody here, you're like, Lord, I just want to start a, a, a signs and wonders ministry. He's like, excellent. Could you go um, to ISIS? Could you go to, no, 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 no. One of the things that God put on our heart years and years ago is that the souls of the world will continue to wreak havoc and destruction unless they have a Barnabas to raise them up. But if a Barnabas will raise up a Saul, a Saul will change the world. And we want this house to be a place where Saul's can be raised up and Barnabas's can be raised up. And so in that place, he gets healed, and immediately he does what he does. What, what is Paul? He's a good religious guy, so he immediately starts preaching with tenderness and compassion. No, they run him out of town. <laughs> Seeing a theme. Anyway, and what happens is, it says, but when God called me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace and was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, my immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went into Arabia. Arabian nights. Later, I returned to Damascus. And, and I was, I don't know about you, but reading that as a kid, I was like, that's all I had was 1,001 nights. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. Why did he go to Arabia? But again, if you ask questions, you get answers. Do you know what Arabia was? He, Arabia was the region of the, what was called the Nabataean Empire. It was a Bedouin group that with their capital was Petra. You know, that, that, really cool picture that from like Indiana Jones, the last crusade, right? You know, those really cool place, super rich uh, group of people. And this was their, their capital of this huge thing. Why would he go to Petra? Because the Jews had a history when things went bad of hiding out in the Nabataean empire. The Maccabeans hid out there. And so this was a natural thing. If you're on the run and you want to recoup, go there. But there are also Jews there. There are also probably believers there. So he... I'm trying to figure out what of that was so deep that the Lord had to intervene. Um, I was like, awesome. Okay. Anyway, so in the middle of this, he goes into the desert. How long is he in the desert? Three years. Now... What do you think? It, he is obviously a type A go-getter because he started preaching right away. Three years, and three years in which we don't hear a lot from Saul, and that was the point. But he has a call of God on his life. Do you know what the word that came with his, his, um, his uh, uh, healing? Ananias, the word that God gave Ananias was, he will be my messenger to the Gentiles. A big prophetic word, right? Anybody here got some big prophetic words of your life? A big calling of God? And you tried to achieve it in one easy step? Right? And that's what Paul did. He's like, I don't know what to do. I just do what I do. I'm going to preach. And they run him. They're like, you can see the, the believers in Antioch. They're like, get him out of town. They're going to kill all of us. Oh. <laughs> he didn't really have grace going on for him at that point, right? And so he goes out into the woods. And woods. He goes out into the desert. He's there in, in, in there, and he spends time. Let me tell you this. You have to be full of faith to read that one. All right. Grace is worked out through Time, process, and relationship. This is the takeaway for today, okay? Anybody feel like process is a dirty word? Why? So he is called. He has a great calling of God in his life, and he's ready to do it all. And God goes, sends him to the desert. Anybody been sent to the desert? Let me tell you this. The desert, everybody gets sent to the desert if they have a great destiny. Moses, Elijah, David, Jesus, 
You could call what Joseph went through the desert. You could call what Daniel went through the desert. Anybody seeing a theme? The desert is a place where you don't get to show off how awesome you are. You get to find out how awesome you are. You get to find out who he says you are, not demonstrate it. And so process, that process, he's there for three years. He finally, he comes back to Damascus. Anybody here have some Damascuses that you need, or Damasci, I don't know what the plural is, that you need to come back to? Why did he have to come back to Damascus? Probably had some mess to clean up. God will call us back to the places (laughs) to clean up our mess. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas and stayed with him 15 days. Cephas is who for my Bible scholar people? Peter. Peter, you win a prize. Peter. That's another name for it. Cephas means rock in Aramaic. So anyway, um, so he stays with the rock and stays with him for 15 days. And he saw, I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brothers. And I assure you before God that what I'm, about, I'm writing to you is not a lie. Why is he saying this? He's got, saying, guys, listen, I'm not preaching something. I'm not giving you somebody else's revelation. Let me say this. You cannot give away what was given to you by man. You can only give what has been given to you by God. Anybody here tried to re-preach somebody else's sermon? You're like, oh, you got to hear this sermon? And he said this, and he said this, and he said this. I've tried that. Don't do it. He's saying, guys, this is legit. This is real. Jesus said, you'll know a tree by the fruit. And he's trying to say, listen, the fruit of this is good. So then he goes down to Jerusalem. From there... He goes, he said, then I went back to Syria and Cilicia, and I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. How long was he unknown? 14 years. He's at, where, where did he go home to? He went home to Tarsus. No! Back to making tents, probably. Why would God send him? If he had such a great destiny, such a great calling of God on his life, why would God send him home? Humble? That's a question, by the way. Clean up his messes? (laughs) To develop him? It's also a witness. Come on. Anybody here, the hardest place for you to demonstrate the change in your life is at home? (laughs) you want to build real spiritual muscles (laughs) go home (laughs) oh no but out there they think i'm awesome yeah but down there they know but otherwise (laughs) what did jesus say no prophet is what with honor in his hometown jesus how many people followed jesus from nazareth We have no record of a single person except James, his brother, after he was dead and raised. I mean, if my brother raised from the dead, I'd give him all kinds of credit, right? You know, like, I'm like, all right, whatever. I mean, I'm just going to let that whole thing go, you know? I mean, like, all right, you know, man, I feel bad. I beat up on him, man. No, I mean, they remember his brother and his mother wanted to take him away because they thought he was crazy, right? Here's the deal. You build muscle, spiritual muscle. You, you discover who you really are in the eyes of God in the midst of real relationships where they know your stuff. And we all want to be famous on the internet where they can't see that we're not wearing any pants. <laughs> Zoom, okay. Anyway, no, but you know what I'm saying? Like there's a, we give them only a certain image to what to see. But where we grow is in the midst of process and time and relationship. That's where grace is worked out. If grace isn't real in relationship, it's not real at all. If it's not real in the worst situations in your life, it's not real. If it's not real enough to to transform you through process and time, then it's not real. If grace is just a, "Ah, I felt Jesus for four seconds during worship, that's not it. Grace is the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead working in you to will to fulfill his will. Amen. 
So then it says Barnabas finally brings Paul back to Antioch in 46 AD. I wonder if Barnabas, how often Barnabas had visited Tarsus. Nope, not done yet. Nope, nope, no, no, no. Oh, finally, finally, finally. Why? See, Paul had a call to the Gentiles. And what was happening is there was Gentiles were joining the church in in Antioch. and, And Barnabas said, who do I know who can help us reach the Gentiles? In the intervening 17 years, Paul had went from the most Gentile-hating person on the planet to a person who was known for loving and reaching out to the Gentiles. Where did he learn that? Where did he walk it out? At home in Tarsus. But Lord, I want to go to the ends of the earth. I remember I was, uh, I was having a real hard time. I didn't like my job. I didn't like where I was. I didn't like me. And uh, so, you know what I decided would really help? I would go to Mongolia. True story. True story. I worked out with an organization. I would teach English. I worked out. They promised me that I would not be closer than a day's horseback ride to the nearest uh, bit of civilization. I'd have my own yurt. We'd already worked it out. I'd learned how to do uh, two-all throat singing and the whole thing. And don't you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it takes me a second to get it back. I can't do it. I can't do it right now. I'll I'll do it for you, though. Anyway, it's this really weird thing. Make your harmonics in your chest. It's super cool. Look it up. Super cool. Uh, You'll think more of me after that. Um, Why did I want to go to Mongolia? To get away from everybody, including me. Who was I taking with me? No! Praise God I didn't go to Mongolia because in that yurt by myself, I would have realized the common denominator of all my problems. (laughs) But what? He's been transformed from this hater of Gentiles into a lover. Took him 17 years. Do you know how long it took Joseph to be transformed into the leader? 13. Do you know how long it took Uh, Moses to be transformed? 40. 40. I would submit it doesn't have to be 40. It doesn't have to be 17. But let me tell you, if Paul had that level of destiny and Joseph had that level of destiny, maybe three years? How many of us, if it doesn't happen tomorrow, we're done? How, uh, How many of us, if we try it once and we fail, we're done? How many of us are running away from our Tarsus? All right. So then, after 14 years, I went back up again to Jerusalem. So um, what happened is, they, they, this time with Barnabas, they were, he was there for about a, uh, a year in Antioch, and it took Titus along, and I went in response to the revelation and meeting privately with those esteemed as leaders. Why? Barnabas knew that Paul had a revelation of the gospel that was stripped of its Judaism that was appropriate for the Gentiles. But they were, the Jews were like, woo, hold the phone. If they're going to believe in Jesus, we better make it physically accurate. Sharpen the knife. Man, <laughs> imagine that service, right? You know, we say repent and be baptized. <laughs> say what? I, I'm, I'm going to need more time to think about it. Yeah, that altar call would have been really weird. We'll take you around back. Don't worry about it. (laughs) I took Titus along also, and I went and responded, okay, I presented them the gospel that I preached among the Gentiles. Here's the deal. He had a revelation from God. He had walked it out among the Gentiles in Tarsus. Jews were a super minority in, in, in Tarsus, and he had worked it out in this place that was a crossroads and, and, you know, pirates and all that. He'd worked it out in that space. He said, but I brought it and I submitted to them. How scared do you think he was at this point? How scared do you think he was of being rejected? How scared do you think he was? 
uh, I, I think I, I, you, you, um, you type A's, you know what I mean, is you can push like a bull in a china shop, but at the same time be scared they're going to reject you. And I really think, but what humility for him to come in and realize God is going to give you a unique revelation of his grace and his mercy, but he's going to want to connect it to the larger body. And this is, this is a point that a lot of people miss at this point, and then the work they're doing in God dies because it's cut off from the body at large. He said, I wanted to be sure that I was not running in vain. Why? You hear that? He was willing to submit himself to them, not to get their approval, but because he was concerned that he might somehow have missed it. That's humility. And so he goes there to Jerusalem. Again, not, not piddly journeys. Yet even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be... It was, uh, uh, not even, thank goodness, somebody is reading, uh, to be circumcised, Whew. even though he was a Greek. That was a brave boy coming with him, wasn't it? <laughs> this matter arose because some false believers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on our freedom we have in Christ Jesus and to make us slaves. We did not give in to them for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. And as for those who were held in high esteem, whatever they, they were makes no difference to me. God does not show favoritism. They added nothing to my message. On the contrary, they recognize that I have been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been to the circumcised, the Jew or the Gentile. But God, who was at work in Peter as an apostle to the circumcised, was also at work in me as an apostle to the Gentiles. James, Cephas, and John, those esteemed as pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me. Again, the grace in you should be evident even to those who don't understand what you carry. Jesus promised us that we would be persecuted, but being persecuted doesn't guarantee that you're right. It may just mean you're a jerk. <laughs> They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and they did the circumcised and they, all they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I'd been eager to do all along. When Cephas then came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned for before certain Gentiles came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles and we're ending right around now. Uh, but when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. Because he had submitted to them, when it came time to confront them, guess what? He was heard. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of them, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not a Jew. How is it then you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. But if in seeking to be justified in Christ, we Jews find ourselves also among the sinners, doesn't that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild the law, what I destroyed, then I really would be a lawbreaker. All right. Woo! Oh, amen. All right, here we go. This is the end. For through the law, I died to the law. So, see, if you're in religion, religion kills you. Religion is actually this whole situation that started in Exodus chapter 20 when God called the people up to him and they said, we don't want to have a relationship with you. Moses, you have a relationship with God. We'll sit down here. And that's where the law came in because they didn't want a relationship. The law is how to do things right without actually having an intimate relationship with God. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith, by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So I don't set aside the grace 
of God. For if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ Jesus died for nothing. This is the appetizer to the book of Galatians. The book of Galatians is the very first book of the New Testament. It was written long before any of the Gospels. It was written before Romans. It was the earliest book of the Bible, of the New Testament. And it is absolutely crucial to understanding the fullness of what it means that grace lives. God pours out his grace on us to deliver us from sin and to bring heaven to earth around us. It is absolutely essential because we can either live by our own strength and live by religion and live by our own abilities or we can live by his power. But it doesn't happen. But listen, we will learn through time and process in a relationship to walk in that grace. We get to unwrap the goodness of God's grace in each of the situations of our lives. We get to unwrap it in our families. We get to unwrap it in our homes. We get to unwrap it in our friendships, relationships, in our churches. We get to unwrap it through time, process, and relationship and discover how good is his grace. So here's my challenge to you all. As the worship team could come up. I got a couple challenges for you. The first challenge I have for you is... There's only four more chapters of Galatians. Go read them. The second thing is, though, I feel like in the middle of all that, God was speaking about some Tarsus maybe for you, some place that he's calling you to see his grace show up in, whether a, a marriage or a family or a place or a body or a, thing, a place to clean up mess, a place to get connected. I don't know what it is for you, but I would really encourage you to take it before Jesus and say, God, what is there grace for? What are you empowering me to do? So that, because that's the place you're going to see the most grace. Not online where nobody can see you, but up close and personal with the people who see you as you are. Does that make sense? Let's stand. Father, I thank you that your grace is sufficient and your power is made perfect in our weakness. Lord, it is in our home. It is in these places that we are unable. It is in these places that we're scared. It is in these places where we don't have enough. It is in those very places that we, your grace shows up because we can't. We simply can't. We can't be love. We can't bring, bring life. We can't bring hope. But you can. So Lord, we invite you into those areas of our life today.